So many incentive plans are put in place and they just end up being a bonus, which is an entitlement, right? And they don't really change behavior. You have to take into account the extrinsic and intrinsic value that you're providing for employees to keep them motivated. Welcome to Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with Benj Miller. And uh, we are we are so excited. Uh, today, we have Alex Freitag and Tom Bauer, two certified EOS implementers and authors, and they've come out with their latest book called ProfitWorks, and we're going to dive into that today. So Tom and Alex, welcome to Tractionville. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Chris and Ben. I think Tom may have dropped a hint of this book when you were on our podcast early, early in our life cycle that you had this book coming out. And I've been looking forward to it ever since, because I, I think it's the least sexy topic, but it's such a pain point for so many people. And it's around the idea of profit sharing comp plans, how to think about it and how to do it. And it's like, I don't know of any other resources that have actually gotten practical around the subject. So give us a little bit of the context of um, like why you guys, why now, why this book, uh, how, it, how this became a thing for you guys? Well, I, I think that, you know, a lot of this came from one of our clarity trips and Alex and I take a week or two and go hiking every year and just talk about our business. And, you know, one of the things that we found in common was that our clients are struggling with this. They want and our business owners want to pay their people more when those people add more value. They're just struggling with how do you do that? And so, you know, that's how we came up with this. And so there's really a couple key components of the book. The first is what is your mindset as an owner, right? And you have to believe that an incentive plan should be self-funded that it should change behavior, right? So many incentive plans are put in place and they just end up being a bonus, which is an entitlement, right? And they don't really change behavior. You have to take into account the extrinsic and intrinsic value that you're providing for employees to keep them motivated. You have to understand how raises and COLA work and have a philosophy around that. And you have to be open to sharing information with your employees, because if you don't, there's no point to having an incentive plan. But at the end of the day, and Alex, maybe you can rip on this a little bit. What it really comes down to is you want an incentive plan to change behavior. And if it doesn't, you just have an entitlement plan. And when you say behavior, Tom, you're referring to that that entitlement behavior, that that can can build up in the in the ranks the employees yeah absolutely it, it's about getting them to understand the business of business about financial literacy and really then taking you know ownership of their job their role and how they contribute to the overall profitability of the company and that's why you know alex came up with the name profit works uh, because profit works for everyone and it works for shareholders, for employees, for owners. And at the end of the day, and we talk about this in the book, 
um, you know, the key measure of how you're doing is profitability. And that's not a bad thing. And we get demonized for talking about that sometimes. Yeah. But uh, Alex, you want to take over from there? And Well, I was going to just add on, Chris, to what you were saying in terms of the behavioral change. Uh, and you've probably seen this in, in your client companies as well. But there's there tends to be a weak link between what people do every day, like their measurables or their daily activities, and the score at the end of the game, profit. And that weak link causes a disconnection so that when an incentive plan's uh, put into place, oftentimes they don't feel connected to it. They, they, they keep doing what they're doing, but now they're getting a bonus. And so there's no tie-in. So you create entitlement mentality where over a period of years, this thing just keeps riding through. They keep getting these payouts and there's no behavioral shift. So the company's not, as Tom said, it's supposed to be self-funded. And that's defined as it's got to pay for itself. Um, and that's where the, the sort of the, trying to keep it simple because you could easily go down like a huge number of rabbit trails for complexity, making uh, incentive plan design complex, but ideally profits a score at the end of the game, establish some kind of threshold, some minimum trigger that the company has to reach, teach the employees how to find the money that's above that. So it's self-funded. So it's, it's pushing the company toward more growth. Yeah, let me hit pause there because Tom said something that resonated with me. And Alex, I'll let you um, uh, answer it. Financial literacy, right? Yeah. Now, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be vulnerable here with our community, and I do this with my clients. When I started my first company after I left my my Motorola sales position, I didn't know what EBITDA was. Yeah, and yeah. it came up in a conversation. I called my accountant. I'm like. I need a crash course in finance 101. What's even, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I said to her and she laughed. And yeah. so anyway, when you, when you talk about profit works and, and financial literacy, how are you going down into the rank and file of, of, of the company and teaching them financial literacy? That's a great question. And, and this heart goes back to my, my early days with profit works, 1996, and, and around there, realizing that most employees, and I try to use, and Walt Brown sort of taught me this, I like it better, instead of a down to the rank and file, we say we, we're pushing out. Like the leadership team is like the sun and, and folks are out further versus death. So you get, get rid of that hierarchy. Right, of, gotcha. Uh, uh, language, but in any event, the, the folks who are good people and they punch a clock, they work very hard, um, oftentimes just have a, um, no idea about profit. And so we would go into companies and, and survey the employees and say, hey, your, your company does you know, $20 million in sales. What percent of those sales do you think is left over after we pay all of our expenses? And, and the, the guesses are 30 to 50% generally in there before financial literacy. And, and after the company takes time and intention to, to develop a transparency, like whatever level of transparency they're comfortable with, because there is, you know, there's a spectrum there. They can begin to, to move employees toward the truth, which is usually, you know, in the single digits. And that's before taxes. And, and to your point about EBITDA, we try to stay away from like fancy accounting, accounting language. We're, we're all, I mean, you know, just trying to keep it as simple as possible. Right. And so the, the, to how to start is really, we, we just go right to the P&L or, or we call it, you know, the profit page. Um, instead of four or five pages printed out a, your accounting system, it's it's like a small, simple spreadsheet. It's sales minus expenses equals profit. 
And, and so one of the easiest ways to try to relate that to folks who are, who are, who've not been exposed to this, let's say it that way, um, is to relate it to household finance. And the paycheck is like sales. It comes in and then you pay all your bills at home and you have a little bit of money left over. If you're not satisfied with that money, you might change your behavior. You might get rid of cable or you, you know, get a better cell phone plan or you don't go out right. to eat this often or those kind of things. So you can start to, in a, in a low risk way, help the, the, the folks who are um, uh, being exposed to this begin to have a little sense of how business has to keep an eye on that. Right. So guys, why don't you start uh, with giving us some like don'ts. Like what are the ways that we royally mess this up without even knowing? <laughs> Yeah. So I'll start with a couple and then uh, Alex, if you want to jump in. But the first thing, and I was actually talking with a client about this yesterday, is they make it too complex. They're like, we've got, oh, this incentive for this and this and this and this. And they got 15 things that they're paying people on, but it doesn't really motivate people. It doesn't change behavior. People don't understand it because it's just too complex. And if you just focus it down to one number, profit in our case, um, you know, that keeps it really simple. And at the end of the game, that's what you want to measure. The, the second way people screw things up is it's discretionary, right? It's kind of random. Hey, Benj, you did a great job this year. I'm going to give you an extra thousand dollars. Right? Okay. Hey, congratulations. You're happy about it. And that happiness lasts for about a week. The third big mistake that people make is it creates silos and you end up pitting one division against another division or another group against another group. And so those are some common mistakes people make. And we try to avoid that by keeping it simple, by making sure everybody understands the plan. So it's not discretionary. They know what they need to do to make more money. And it doesn't pit one group against another. Yeah, Alex, hold your thought. Hold your thought for a second because I want you to answer that same question. But sure. Tom, on that note, if we're if we're paying everybody based on profit, the number one objection that comes to my mind is, well, some people actually contribute to that more than others, whether it's on the revenue side or an ability to uh, affect the cost of goods sold, your expenses, whatever. How do you how do you overcome that objective or how do you make that logical so that it does incentivize people that don't feel like they can contribute? Alex, you want to take that one? Wait, sure. And, and you're talking, Benj, about somebody who contributes more than another person. Is that yeah? Like if I'm if, if I'm if I'm you know running the front desk reception, yeah. I don't feel like I can real I can I can make it a great place to work. I can make our customers feel welcome. But how do I actually? contribute yeah. to profit? It, it's a great question. It sort of talks to Tom's point about the cost of living adjustments and, and having uh, rationality around pay bands for different positions so that that's got to be logical in terms of value add to the business. Like this position pays this much, this, you know, this seat on the accountability chart pays this much. And um, from the standpoint of like the front desk versus somebody in the back office or somebody out in the warehouse, those kind of things. The what we encourage is a lot of what we teach in EOS, which is measurability, right? And so scorecards, uh, regular meeting discipline, where people are keeping score of their, um, th their various measurables. 
And, and then the conversation and the communication, this really comes intentionally from leadership, has to purposefully tie those daily measurables, those activity-based measurables that we have on these various scorecards and various L10s to the company's like game card, you know, or scorecard uh, that has profit on there. And, and, and really it's, it's a teaching process to continue to link the activities to that. Because uh, everybody affects the PL in different ways, obviously, like you said, the cost of goods sold or, or purchasing, you know, negotiations or, you know, efficiencies or doing it right the first time, rework, um, you know, shipping the product correctly, pick packing, you know, all that stuff is so critical. And what we found is that there's there's money just like lying around that a lot of folks, um, their eyes aren't looking for it because they haven't been taught about all the all the holes in the bucket, we call it, you know, the money falling through the cracks. Do you need help hiring your next superstar? Have you ever hired someone to learn that they don't align with your culture and core values? Vision Spark is the go-to resource for companies running on EOS. Their team of search professionals are experts in people. Vision Spark's proprietary process ensures that you hire the right person for long-term cultural fit and bottom line growth. Let Vision Spark strengthen the people component of your business. Vision Spark, right search, right team, right seats. You can visit Vision Spark at visionsparksearch.com. So I think you just illuminated the disconnect for me. And so maybe you guys can help fix this. But if I've if I've got my my own scorecard, my own measurables tied to my seat, and I'm performing. I'm, I'm rock star status. I'm just performing way above expectations of the company, but for whatever reason, the company doesn't hit their, their profit goals or that trigger that you called it. Yeah. What happens then? And is that ultimately demotivating that you're on a, a non-winning, you're a superstar on a non-winning team? That's, that's a great question. And that obviously happens often, right? And so there is some art in establishing that trigger. So, and what we suggest is that when the when the leadership team is starting to look at the design of the plan initially, uh, the trigger has to be high enough to be a stretch, but not so high that it's unattainable. And that gets into you know, where a lot of people have mistakes around incentive plan design. Many companies just start at dollar one, and and so they're not really protecting the company. But within that threshold or that trigger there are certainly some obligations the company has around taxes and, and reinvestment in the business and, and paying down debt and uh, return on investment to, to the, the folks taking all the risk. And so it starts to send some discipline into the business. So when you go down this path, you know, it's, it's, you've got to start to have these, these tools, we call them tension tools, but they're, they're tools that if you're running on an operating system, you have that uh, cause folks to take this, seriously. And there is a sense of peer-to-peer -peer accountability. Benj, to your point, if we've got a superstar who's just knocking out of the park, but the company's not um, hitting their goals, we want to, uh, you might risk losing that person over time if the goals are not um, you know, uh, realistic uh, to a point. And there's also that element of that person can be a, uh, an influence, a positive influence on other areas of the company to try to to help pull those pieces along such that in future quarters or future years, we don't have that um, element of, of being behind, behind the trigger and such that there are no payouts. Cause it, yeah. it, it, go ahead. You know what's on, on top of that, what I'd say is that the type of plans we're talking about 
do not limit companies from giving somebody a salary increase. I mean, that's completely different. And hey, look, if you have a superstar and they're adding more value and our philosophy is that if you wanna make more money, add more value and then we pay you more. And a lot of times that disparity um, gets sorted out in how you pay out the incentive plan. Most of the time we pay out a percent of wages, meaning that somebody making 100,000 is gonna get twice as much in the incentive plan as somebody making 50, because their salary represents their relative value, assuming you have salaries correct, but it represents their relative value to the overall profitability of the company. And it represents their responsibility. You know, they have more responsibility. So, you know, we can uh, adjust to that a couple of different ways. When you have a superstar, great, um, give them a salary increase. Uh, but then the payout structure also comes into play as to, does everybody get the same thing or does everybody get something based on their relative wage? Yeah, that's good. I think that's a, a key missing piece that, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, we try and come up with the percentage, but tying it directly to their salary and what that looks like is, is helpful. Do you ever find that, um, depending on the stage of a company, right? Companies could be burning cash because they're in growth mode. How does that affect, how do we process that into the equation? We, um, we talk about that in the book. Um, is that you should never borrow money to pay an incentive, right? I mean, cash flow has to be there. That's kind of the gatekeeper. And in all of our plans, one of our key points is that, look, if we don't have cash to pay it, there is no incentive because we could be making a ton of money on paper, but if we don't have cash uh, and, you know, Alex and I teach people a lot about cash flow because most employees don't understand uh, that, you know, we pay for a bunch of stuff, we then provide a service or a product, and then three months after that, we get paid finally. And so there's a, in many cases, a four to six month gap between our expenses when we pay them out and when we actually get paid. And that's an important point for employees to to really truly understand. Yeah, and it does it does help uh, per, perhaps surface an issue that uh, companies need to have on their scorecard around AR or AR over sixty or you know the 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 clients that are really dragging that number really high and and start to address those issues, IDS them and and um, and get the sales team involved. Certainly, those kind of things. Uh, we, we try to teach it sim simply that the difference between profit and cash is timing. And we can manage that timing to our benefit and, and then engage the workforce in talking about how we can better manage that timing. Because uh, they've got so many ideas, like, you know, they start to put on that, that owner hat a little bit, start to see with different eyes in the business. Take us in the book a little bit more. Are there some, do you have some tools um, inside the book that uh, that we can use? Absolutely. The first one that comes to mind, and this this gets into Tom's point about intrinsic and extrinsic. So a lot of time you think incentive plan, like Ben said at the beginning, it's like, this is not sexy stuff. Uh, oh boy, P&L. Uh, <laughs> but but to, to the degree, and, and Jack Stack, great game of business way back when, sort of the thought leader on this whole thing uh, of open book management, 
I'm not saying you have to open all the books. You got to find your comfort level. But um, gamifying this helps make it a little bit more fun. You know, it's, it's intrinsically value, uh, valuable to be part of this winning team. And so that like we use rocks, right, in, in EOS. And, and everybody knows what a rock is, this 90-day priorities. And to, to gamify a rock such that you just put a, a, put a little reward out there. If, if we get, like, let's say, take AR. Let's say AR over 60 is way out of control. We say, hey, in the next 90 days, let's have a rock. And so-and-so owns it. Uh, to reduce AR over 60 by, you know, 100%, like to get it down just to zero over 60. And um, and if we do that, we'll have, you know, we'll have a, a big party, socially distanced party uh, with masks. And, um, you know, it and so you have this, and maybe you put up a big poster and it's like a thermometer or whatever, and uh, those kind of, yes, exactly. Thank you. And, um, and it becomes this fun kind of challenge rock and so that's one of the tools and, and we call them tension tools. Uh, and if you, if you recall, I'll just refer to one of the models in the book that we kind of uh, believe in, it's called Yerkes Dodson Law. But the idea is that, and this was what, 1908, Tom? Yeah, 1908. Um, yeah, so, so if you picture an X and Y axis, the, 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 uh, the vertical one's the Y axis and that's, that's performance. And the X axis is, is pressure or tension. And there's a, it's a bell curve. And so the idea is if there's no pressure, there's lower performance. And if there's too much pressure, there's no performance because people are afraid of, you know, getting fired. So there's an art and a leadership art just trying to stay in the middle. So Challenge Rock helps kind of support that. Uh, It's financially focused. It's so there's business literacy that you have to require there. What, why is it a benefit to us to reduce AR over 60? those kind of things or rework or something, you can figure out what the measurable is that you're focused on. But anyway, that's one of the, the tension tools that's, uh, that's been very, uh, very valuable. It fits, it fits most cultures that can really make it fun. There are some cultures that just fun is not part of it. And we just say, you know, don't, don't push fun. I would love for you guys to, um, as we start to wrap up here, give me anybody that's out there that's on the fence. They're like, Hey, I get it, but we're, marginally profitable or we fight for every penny we get um or maybe they're wildly profitable and they've got a a board of shareholders that are very demanding give us your value proposition to the organization to the shareholders for this profit incentive plan well benji i think the the first thing that comes to mind for me is as a business owner we've seen what entitlement mentality looks like in action in our past, I mean, you've, you've seen it, and related to financial uh, improvement and growth, uh, just the cultural side of this to try to help people become more uh, independent. Uh, like I'm thinking about your point about discretionary. That's a very kind of patriarchal or matriarchal kind of setup. It's like I'm, I'm got, I've got this money. I'm going to give you at the end of the year, and it creates dependency. And with with it with the psychology and philosophy we're trying to, to instill in, in really best in class businesses. Cause this is what we see. This is what Walt Brown calls uh, you know, black diamond uh, type skiing. And um, that you can really create more independence with this. And, and it's this sense of moving out of entitlement into earning mindset for the, for the workforce. And I don't think anybody's gonna argue with that. I and mean, that's what this whole country is built on. And uh, this idea of, of creating more value. And you know, entrepreneurs are so 
such beautiful minds come up with these products. We didn't even know we needed, you know, popsicles uh, on the street corner in Atlanta, uh, for example. So those are those are some things that come to mind for me, just from the standpoint of creating a, just a, a more engaged culture. It's a lot more fun. Yeah, Alex, and I, I think that um, one of the things we want to convey to people is that the book is not about incentives. It's a big piece of it, and it certainly will tell you the do's and don'ts of creating incentive plans, but it is more about A, the culture that you create, and B, um, how do you help people live happier, healthier lives? And it's because the stuff that we do around financial literacy, it's not just about the business making money. And Alex, you kind of talked about this a little earlier around, um, you know, a paycheck is your revenue and expenses and you got a little money left over. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, that can be life changing for a lot of people when you teach them those things, which frankly, we think is a big gap in our educational system, that they're just not taught these things. And so, you know, when Alex and I wrote the book, it was really about changing culture and helping people get better and improving their lives. Um, this is just one way to do that. And it's a pretty powerful way. So Benj, to your direct question, how do you talk to people who are on the fence? I'd have a real simple question. Do you want to help your team, your employees, your team members, call them what you want, your associates? Do you want to help them live better lives or not? Guys, um, always love spending time with you. You are Thank always you. welcome on our show. So keep pumping out the, the books and thoughts and sharing your gifts with the world. As we leave today, give us just as you guys have launched this book and taking this message out into the market. I want to give you each a second to live, leave us with your your big idea what's on your heart for tractionville i'll say uh bench and chris thank you guys for for having us on number one and uh we, we tom and i are humbled honestly by the implementer community response to this um it, so one thing i want to say gratitude this very very heartfelt thank you uh and we hope it is very valuable for your clients um so uh, it's it's supposed to be a book that the client can read and do themselves. It really truly is, and um, and so it, we we just sort of put everything in there that we had floating around in our brains and through all our experiences and all our mentors that shared with us, and and so uh, we hope we hope it provides lots of value for it, for everybody listening to this podcast. And thank you guys for doing this podcast. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you guys very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, you know, I I echo Alex's. Um, word gratitude to the community and to our clients um, who helped us do this and helped us write this book and helped us entrusted us to actually give us information and you know believed in us that we could help them and so i i think it's really an amazing thing and we hope that people can pick up the book and do it themselves and if they have questions then you know Alex and I are are free and available to answer any questions that people have if they just want to chat. And I had somebody yesterday; they just wanted to chat for thirty minutes about their incentive plan and know if they were on the right track. And that's what we do. And Chris, so it, there are a lot of pictures in the book as well, so you'll like. Thank you. I <laughs> I was worried for a minute. 
uh, as a visionary, I need those pictures. You know, it, it, listen, Tractionville, uh, there's already some early indicators out there about this book because uh, uh, Alex and Tom uh, have have released it uh, yesterday or day before. It was the 15th. 15th. Okay. So since the 15th, they have ranked number one in three categories on Amazon. So I think you hit the nail on the head, guys. And uh, uh, again, we love having you on here. We'll make uh, all of this information at, uh, in the show notes, uh, Tractionville, so you can find Tom and Alex and their book very easily. And uh, we can't thank you guys enough. You you guys are amazing. We, we enjoy having you on here. You're always bringing tons of great value and energy. And um, we wish you all the best of luck. For everybody that wants to go order it, where do they go right now? Go to where to order the book. Amazon has it. Um, it PropWorksLLC.com slash books uh, has it. Uh, and if you know, bulk orders, that kind of thing. So got it. All right. We're sending people there. Tractionville, hope you enjoyed. Got some work to do with your incentive plans. We'll see you next Tuesday on Tractionville Tuesday. Tractionville Tuesday.